podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya. Yeah. Quédense tranquilas, aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar. Válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. <risa> Hello, good evening and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers Club podcast as we continue our reviews of World Cups from 1990 up until the present day. Uh, tonight we look back at the 2010 World Cup, which was a historic tournament, the first time held in Africa. Uh, the club is brought to you by the Pitchboard Football Fan App, giving, you the vo- giving the fans a voice. Get your free downloads on the App Store and the Google Play Store. Hosting tonight is myself, Keith Plunkett, the, big host, the biggest hosting scandal since South Africa got this World Cup. And I'm joined by supposedly three proper football men. I've got Garrett Brain. How's it going, Garrett? Yeah, Pat, you all right? Good, good. Living the dream in yourself. Yeah, you're looking well. You're looking well, right, mate. I do my best. I do my best. I had a shaving off at this, Garrett. I, I felt I couldn't do anything with the hair, so I'd try and just spruce up a bit. This um, is historic. COVID-19 and Keith Plunkett's hosting debut. Absolutely. I'm delighted to be involved. That's all it took was a, pande- a global pandemic to wipe the rest of them out. <laughs> Um, also joining us tonight, we have uh, to get at the Continental Bears, we have Peter Smith. How are you, Pete? Not too bad, not too bad. Nice to add a bit of flavour to the to things. Looking well, everybody. It's good to see you looking healthy. Oh, yeah, that's it. It's all we can do, isn't it? It's all we can ask. Uh, we're meant to be joined by another our Three Lions representative, but he's not here at the moment, so we'll give, give uh, Dick a bit of time to see if we can get him on board. But we will start looking at this tournament, lads, and... Looking back at it, my memory of this wasn't a great tournament, and I say that on every one of them, but this one particularly wasn't um, one of the best ones. Gar, I'm going to start off with you first, because one of the big things about 2010 happened before the tournament even started, and it was Ireland's uh, influence on this World Cup. What do you remember about our non-appearance here? Uh, non appearance, she said. I don't remember how much. More from a coaching thing, this one may, would have been big for me for the the big transition to Spain. Uh, yeah. was, was this one? Henri had his. No, Henri had his, his little bit of there a bit before, didn't he? 
No, this was the this was um, yeah the playoff with France, and we went yeah. in, and Henri had a sneaky little handball, and the the thing about it was um, when Sepp Blatter got up in front of uh, I don't know it was a FIFA committee or some sort of a committee, and said about how the FAO requested a thirty third spot in the World Cup for Ireland, and sort of laughed about it, and all we we were a bit of a laughing stock at this time. What do you remember, P? I do remember. Uh, in particular, I remember Robbie Keane being completely outraged and actually going on live television and, you know, talking about Sepp Blatter and, and the French Football Federation as well, having a good laugh up, you know, but the, the fact of the matter was it was blatant cheating. I mean, people complain about VAR, you know, week in, week out, but I mean, God, we could have done with VAR. And I do remember the dynamic game. I was living in London at the time. I remember the first leg and I remember then it coming down to this and the, the momentum was completely with Ireland, completely. There was only going to be, I mean, it was like like watching a boxing match. France were completely, you know, out on their feet. You know, the momentum was with us. It wasn't like they were attacking us incessantly. It was, you know, it was we we had the momentum. We were completely ripped off. I mean, body language doesn't lie. I, uh, the, my lingering memory of that is Richard Dunn, you know, arguably our... Yeah. Uh, one of our, our best players at the time, just being completely distraught at the end of the game. Now, if even if you've been cheated and you feel that you know you, you've kind of been you've been bested by the better side you're not going to react like that so for me that reaction said everything Ireland should yeah. have went to the World Cup I think I think in any level of sport I think we've all kicked the ball and if you feel you're cheated at any any level you're going to react like and you can tell as Pete said the reaction of Richard Dunn I think was telling and that and what it meant was it meant Ireland weren't there so we didn't have a we didn't have a horse in this race, um, but we may have watched on with interest um, at see how our friends in France got on, and they had an interesting tournament. Poison. To yeah, say that poison, weren't they? Yeah, they were poison. <laughs> it was. It was good to see because they were absolutely dreadful. The it, it, probably the worst case of infighting I can remember, and I know the Dutch were always famous for it. In every World Cup they go into, there would be um, a bit of division in the Dutch camp, but my Jesus, the French really took it to another extreme in this. Um, they went in and they had Dominic was the was the coach, wasn't he? Dominic was yeah, the coach. Yeah, if you want to call him that. Yeah, if you want to call him. He was a con man, wasn't he? He was yeah. an absolute sham. And he went in and I don't know it was the first game or the second game. Um, had a, He stuck the rap on Nicholas and Elka or something and then Elka retired and all from international football at half time and was thrown out of the tournament and all this and the players went on strike it was just absolute bedlam in the french camp um it it was it was weird to see you know and it, it the thing that sticks with me about it is if ireland had got there we would have made a better fist of it than what france did you know it was uh, you look at the group that you were in right you look at that French one. Yeah, and we'd seen it in our games in that the, I suppose the, the key game that we went out in, you know, it was it was aging. It was obviously there was a, a few longer younger lads in it, but it wasn't many. Um, it was the time where France really hit its uh, its transitional peak, and, and I suppose to develop their younger players who they have now. If if you look back at it. Every every country needs that sort of ten years, and um, you see this one, uh, Germany, obviously. And and Spain particularly in this tournament, mm. 
their transition of you know how they turn their coaching yeah. system around. We spoke about it. Obviously, I missed last week's pod, but we spoke about it in the one before of yeah. how old that Spain squad was. Um, and if you turn to this one, then you can see the the, the sort of ten year gap that they say a, a country does develop its sort of academy, and you know it's younger lads from 12s, 13s, 14s. It all started to come through at 22, 23, 24. And you could see this, obviously, this Spain squad obviously tells its own story through it, as, as we'll talk. But the, that France side, you could see it needed a, a, a brush. Yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't a great quality to them. And um, Pete, do you have uh, any vivid memories of the French squad in this? Yeah, I just think yeah, they were, they were really a, a team, as, as Gar says, that were kind of on, on its, on its last legs. I mean, everything that was coming through, I remember the likes of Florent Malouda, for example, who for me just wasn't at the level, you know, required. I mean, you look back, I mean, a lot of people look back at the, the great uh, 98 squad and I know they had a complete, they didn't, you know, they, they didn't really turn up in 2002 either, but that, that 98 squad was just, riddled there was a very yeah, with quality there was a, a very famous um very famous documentary made about that 98 squad called a year in the blue all mm. about how they got together um in Clairefontaine and really became a family because as you know uh, one of the big problems in france like in the netherlands is is racial division so it's really a story of having to unite them for us the french are very a very particular race of people. I work with lots of them here in Barcelona and they're, they don't really, for example, in France, they don't really see the the national soccer team as being representative of France. Now, the reasons are, uh, are racial. You know, they, they, they mo- they're more identified with, with the rugby team, to be quite honest. So you have to, when, when France qualify for a major tournament, there's this period where everyone has to bed in and they almost have to cocoon themselves before the tournament. And I just think the greats like Zidane and, you know, Makaleli, all the great leaders, even, you know, looking back to Turam and Desai, they were all gone. You know, they were they were in decline and, and, and finished. So they had no real leadership. They had no direction. They had nobody bringing the factions within the French game together. So it was, to be honest, it was always going to be a disaster. Added to which, you know, I, I firmly believe, and I think a lot of people did in the media at the time, that the French were suffering from a, a form of guilt. Uh, after what happened uh, with Ireland, and you must remember, it followed them around, even in you know in within the media circles in France. So they were probably they probably had that um, tension in the camp. Should we be here the way we came through? Mm. It was very very uh, unegalitarian, and they're they're certainly into that, you know. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And if we look at Ireland, if I know we weren't there, but if we briefly just have a look, that group that France were in now, whether we'd have got in that group or not, I know is is all guessing game. But you know, Uruguay, Mexico, and South Africa. Well, we may not have got out. Well, we wouldn't have got out of that group, but we would have put up a better show than what the French did. And it, it's one of the another one of the what ifs. You know, we spoke about two thousand and two about Saipan. What if Roy Keane had been there? Could we have made a better fist and gone further in the tournament? But even if Ireland had been there and hadn't got out of the group, we'd have brought a lot more than what the French did. And it's just a pity that that we didn't that we didn't get there. But we'll move on from from um, who wasn't there and we'll speak more about how the tournament actually um, panned out. Now, 
I know one and a lot of comments in the group so far um, that we're seeing about this. The overriding memory a lot of people have of the 2010 World Cup is the the lovely melod- melodic sounds of the Vuvuzela. Comments on this today. In all honesty, it when I first start watching the matches, um, I just couldn't get it out of my head. It was the absolute biggest pile of shite that they could have done. And I'd, like, you, there were small little plastic horns and the noise of the bastard and things when there was 30, 40, 50,000 of them getting blown. It was actually, and I remember it well, like, it was very off-putting watching it, sitting at home, sitting in the pub. It was like, turn the sound off this. I cannot watch it. I, what, are you, what are you thinking about that? I think you you got to look at it culturally as well. You know, the the idea of having a vuvuzela is is a very very distinctly African thing. You know, so I I you know I, I doubt nobody wanted to be too rude. Yeah, it was over. It was probably a little bit overbearing, but you, you've got to be conscious of where you are. It's like if you're if the when the World Cup was in Brazil, you know that samba beat that's going constantly, particularly through Brazil games. It's constant, constant, just not half as annoying as a vuvuzela. Yeah, I'm um, gonna be real. I'm gonna be real, Pete. You know, lads, when you get a hot Indian curry, right? <laughs> and in the, at the morning after, right, all you do is you go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, literally gone for the day after. That's that. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've it's all been there, obviously. You can thing. see by the shakes of your heads. Yeah. <laughs> the little thing that stick with us. Another thing about that World Cup controversy was the ball. Gar, as a football man, what do you remember about the Jabalani? Yeah, the, the golden Jabalani ball. Yeah. Golden white, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was. It was getting lighter and lighter as it. As it yeah, it was. Um, wasn't it? it was the first ball that Adidas um, didn't hand stitch. It was sort of manufactured to be as smooth and the most round ball they ever had. Some of the shit they come out with for these things for marketing, you know, the most round ball ever. But because it wasn't hand stitched, it was literally a smooth um, ball. But it had all these grooves on it to be no different in the dry and in the rain. Because I know South Africa, they were probably expecting a bit of. Uh, you know, weather issues to come and this was meant to be the saviour, but there was a lot made of it at the time and when you look back at the, the tournament, there was some great goals scored in this tournament um, mm. cracking from distance, a lot of them from distance Yeah, and the ball was moving all over the place Yeah, can yeah. we put it down to the fact that Keep. Adidas reinvented a ball mm. Well, wasn't this one where the keepers literally had uh, the, the training sessions up to up to your, your World Cup training sessions before you head over the two weeks or whatever um, and the keepers had full trials of shots being bang 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 and all of them I think every keeper uh, the feedback was was so yeah. negative uh, around the ball about it moving so fast about you know it literally being in front of your face and then suddenly it, it jumping away from you you know every keeper I believe remember at the time and um, that's all you heard on, on certain news streams was, was keepers giving out feck about the way the ball moved in the last minute and how light it was at times. Yeah. Was, yeah. I think I remember though at the, at the time, you must remember, Gar, you're a bit different to me. I, I was firmly in the centre forwards union. I mean, you go near the goalkeeper, even, even 2010. Now you go near the goalkeeper uh, physically and, it, and it's a free out. I, I, I remember thinking at the time, okay, now you've got something that's not on your side. Deal with it. Yeah. 
you know yeah yeah that's it you know they do get a lot of protection so this is just payback for all that all that protection but if we look at the the games themselves the group so we we won't dwell too much on the going through each and every group you know because there's a a lot to talk about later on with this tournament uh, and we do have a quiz at the end that uh, it seems that I'm the host I won't be winning it <laughs> so I think that's why I got uh, handed hosting duties you know but um, if we look if we look at the groups right the last World Cup we spoke about and Pete you were on with myself and Phil last week and we spoke was it that was the one where all the favourites had got through was it the expected teams in each group yeah, 2006. It was almost like it was played out, but and the yeah. results were picked out by a by a pools panel. To be honest, yeah, honest with after the only, the only... In, in out here, wasn't it like where exactly, exactly? Yeah, the, yeah, they had no South Koreas, no heroics, um, no unexpected, no red herrings, you know. So, um, 2006 was very straightforward tournament. Yeah, whereas this one sort of reverted back to uh, the 2002 vintage because we have France. Absolutely stinking the place out mm. in their group coming bottom. As I said, Ireland would have probably got that fist of it than they did. But we also had Italy, absolute muck in their group. And Italy finished, uh, if we can find their group here, Italy finished bottom of their group. Bottom, didn't it? Do you remember who was in the Italian group and they finished bottom of it? Was it Yakinta that only scored one of their only goals? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to tell you who it was in there, right? Mm. Paraguay, Slovakia, and New Zealand. New Zealand, New Zealand yeah. wasn't it? And mm. 85 bottom of that group, you know, and it wasn't a great Italian squad in fairness at this stage. Um, Yaroi P. Yakinta was involved. He was playing Gilardino. They had um, Cannavaro was there, and they had Bill Fon, but they were an aging team, and we spoke about in previous pods about, you know, teams getting that bit older and having to change her up. I literally had won the previous World Cup mm. and unexpectedly, and I suppose they were working on a formula of, you know, this is how we always do our World Cups. We don't need to reinvent any wheels. We don't believe in younger players, so we'll yeah. just do what we have to do. But they were absolutely awful in this World Cup. And still wasn't a bad, it wasn't a bad centre-half pairing, you know, with still Cialini was, was I don't know. Yeah, I suppose Cialini's point. coming into his, his own, I suppose we're going back, yeah. Um, we're going back 10 years, yeah, Chiellini was in good form, but they, I'm looking at the first game here, and they had uh, Zambrotta right back, Cannavaro Chiellini in the centre-back positions, in front of Bielfan, obviously, his quality. They mm. Crescito at left-back, and he was a blade now, Mark. Then they had the Rossi, Montalivo, Montalivo was Marquiso, didn't he? Marquiso, yeah, Marquiso was a good player, but they had yeah. Simone Pepe, Yaquinta and Gilardino. Now, we've spoke about previous tournaments where they had Ovovieri up front, horsing in gold, beating down terrifying teams. This was not that vintage. Now, I was looking back today and they actually had one of my favourite players is uh, Fabio Cagliarella and he scored an absolute peach there. He's still playing now, I think. Yeah, now he's brilliant. He's absolutely mm. brilliant. But he scored a delicious lob in this against Slovakia in the last game. But they were already gone, I think, at that stage. And um, mm. it was just a lack of quality in that Italian squad, I think, for this World Cup. And I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of Italy and it, uh, of Italian football. I don't mind that they can be bored and it can be negative and defensively solid. I quite like all that. But this was just blatant brutal, I think. And again, maybe it was a case of, you know, we spoke Chiellini, maybe... The next World Cup was Chiellini's time. Italians, I suppose, as they get older, they get more wily and get more yeah. um, more uh, streetwise. And I just think this was the perfect storm of show you for them. So that was two big casualties gone out. 
bottom of their groups in uh, in the group phases, you know, and it wouldn't have been expected. But we had other teams in here, so we'll quickly run through the groups. I won't dwell on each one, but Group A, we saw Uruguay and Mexico go through. Now, Uruguay, we'll talk about later on because Uruguay were, to me, the best team in the tournament, but Attacking, attacking wise, yeah, attacking. I mean, Shadowland, Sati Suarez was 23 or 24. Yeah, they had they'd quality in that final tour. It was at the back where they were a bit suspect, Mm. they were, but they, you know, it was it was cynical South American football Mm. with the flair. And it was, you know, if we look at the Argentina team in this world, could we look at the Brazilian team and it, Uruguay, where and I think they went on and won. The Copa America as well, short, you know, in the years mm. after this. So it was sort of a bit of a golden generation for Uruguay. Mm. But really they came. A really good centre. But you've just touched on, obviously, the Italians defend them. But if you look, uh, obviously, a Gaudian and Lugano mm. yeah. at that yeah. time. Were, and they had Pereira, Rui Fuller from Rui. Maxi and, Pereira. Yeah, who was, was, and, and that Trey, I think if, if Susila or someone was playing left back at, at that stage. And that wasn't yeah. a, wasn't it wasn't a bad back four lads at, at a it wasn't you know, youngish age at the time as well between them all. It was a yeah, it was a, it was a tough you know that that centre back pairing is a very tough pair. Gaudin and um, Lugano at the time, Lugano wasn't the quickest, but they were two tough centre backs. And Gaudin, yeah. how old was Gaudin at the time? He, he well, must have been going back ten years now. You know what's mm. Gaudin now? He's 24, you know, I think. Mm. You know, so we're getting peak going in this World Cup. So it was a, a decent enough team. But they came through, no problems there in Group A. We've, um, as I said, France are gone. Mm. We've got, um, let me move on to Group B, is Argentina, South Korea, Greece and Nigeria. Now, Argentina come out, Argentina waltz out of this group, in fairness. They got yeah, three well, wins. Yeah. Um, South Korea coming second, which was probably a surprise. Greece and Nigeria, not, you know, Nigeria always flattered to the save at the World Cup. Mm. We look at the next mm. group. Jeez, the next group is England. And USA, the USA and the United States. We don't yeah. have don't have our three lines representative to speak about it because the United States, England, Slovenia and Algeria, England were absolute pony in this World Cup. Absolutely. Again, England, a bit like you said about Italy. I remember at the time I, I watched this with, with a few English friends of mine. They're, they're opening a game. I think it was against the United States. Yeah. And, you know, you got Robert Green in goal, if I remember correctly. You know, I think they were struggling up top. And did they play Steven Gerrard up front? I think it was it was in this in this game. Hes- no, Heskey and Rooney played uh, Rooney played behind Heskey, didn't he? Um, yeah. Gerrard scored. Did Gerrard score a goal? I think and against Gerrard. This was. Yeah. This was the start of the 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 Lampard sort of. Gerard. Oh, do you know, do you know what it was? I think. Can they play? Can they play? This. But the Gar- Gareth Barry issue. You now you'll probably talk about it later on. I remember. I think if not to put a spoiler on it, England eventually going out, and it was a very there was a bit of a com- comic moment. Gareth Barry uh, losing a foot race against uh, Mesut Ozil, which really summed up the English in that tournament. It's you know they're just running in, in reverse, and it's a bit like those other teams we talked about. There's a few fellas probably there that kind of shouldn't have been there, to be quite honest. Yeah, we spoke in previous tournaments about England squads and how the quality was 1-22, to 1-23. to It'd be sort of hard pushed to find a weak link in this. But this squad, your IP, Rob Green and Gold straight away, I'm not having that, you know. <laughs> that's, a com- that's a competition winner. It right, is, yeah, and it's mad. And I don't like to have digs at the English, you know. 
We do, but it, it it's low hanging fruit in this one because yeah. they were absolutely pony. Like they mm. drill with the states, as you said, first game, second game, then did a, a nil all draw with Algeria, and mm. then a one nil win against Slovenia. Like they were bad, you know, they yeah. were really really bad, and but they idea. they got trail in second place, but. I, I, I wasn't holding out much hope for them. And then when we saw how the, the knockouts go, but the next group then was um, Germany, Ghana, Australia and Serbia. So, you know, as expected, the Germans are coming through that. And this is a good group. It is a good group, yeah, because Ghana were, Ghana were a good um, surprise package of mm. this Surprise, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they really were. They, they shocked a lot of people. Mm. And, you know, they they... From an African point of view, um, they picked the they carried the flag for Africa, really. You know, yeah. um, getting to the the later stages. But as we expect, Germany ran through this, and the thing with the Germans mm. in this, they looked a bit sharp as well. They were, they did it again. We spoke about O2 Germany sort of hit a, a hit a ceiling with their squad, aging players, mm. and shook her up. And the last tournament, we saw the introduction of Philippe Lam. We saw Bastian Schweinsteiger. We mm. saw Lucas Podolski. Now they're all still in in around this squad. But you touched on Meza Ozil there, Pete. Mm. And Meza Ozil was absolutely sensational. Yeah. You know, and you Thomas, to, Thomas Muller as well. Thomas Muller. Thomas Muller, exactly. You know, Muller, you, Muller wins young player at tournament. I'm nearly yeah. Sure. So, was, I mean, it's, it's, really hard to, it's, yeah. it's hard to, you know, differentiate. You think of these players now and you're like, no. But back then, it was a different kettle of fish. Like, they were exciting. Thomas Muller was an exciting player back then. Um, the game sort of maybe has moved on a bit on Muller because he, he's one of these players that doesn't really have a position now, you know, that way. And mm. Ozil as well is in a position that... I think Thomas Muller is, is a victim of his own quality. He's one of those guys, he's not quite a centre-forward. He doesn't look like an attacking midfield player. He's one of those guys, I don't know, the, the closest comparison I could I, I can think of is like a Teddy Sheringman type player. He's he's neither one nor the other. But, you know, interestingly, I think with Muller, he's, if I'm not wrong, Gar, he's one of the highest assist makers um, he's got some sort of record of assists, certainly for the German national team. Yeah, uh, and I think he scored a lot of goals in this tournament, maybe four yeah. or five. Yeah, you know, he, but he ne- he's never hit the heights uh, no. since of this tournament. You know, and that's that's the thing. As you, as you touched on there, Pete, you're right. He was a he was never a centre forward, the attacking midfielder, maybe, but he wasn't quick enough to play a wide. And no. the game now was more about wingers or inverted wingers with pace and power. And it, I don't know, it's a strange case with Thomas Muller, but he did have a very good tournament. And the Germans were at this time um, an exciting team. You know, they, they, mm. were, they were sort of hitting, coming up to a, a peak in, in that generation. The next group, then we had the, the Netherlands, Japan, Denmark, Cameroon. Straightforward there. We've got the the Dutch going through. Um, mm. Group F then is the Italian one we spoke about: Paraguay, Slovakia, New Zealand, Italy. Shocks all over the place in that one. Yeah. And then we had Group G, which was a group of death. Mm. We had Brazil, Portugal, the Ivory Coast, and they got the group of death in the last World Cup as well. So it's unfortunate yeah. for them. And North Korea, um, who were awful. I mean, I don't know how they qualify. <laughs> yeah, awful. North Korea. They were. They, they were the, they were the lowest ranked team at the tournament. They were ranked 150. Yeah, I, th- I think Portugal did them 7 0. It was the last time you'll probably see a game where Cristiano Ronaldo is so unselfish. You can see he's actually yeah. trying not to score. Yeah. One yeah. of the goals he gets kind of bounces off and bounces off his head and he looks to. Or this game sticks out in my head that 
the Portuguese just, you know, even Thiago scores a couple of goals, yeah. not a goal scorer. Yeah. So yeah. it's a strange, uh, very, very North Korea. I think they qualified for the World Cup in 1966, and maybe there was a huge gap between World Cups for them. Absolutely, but, yeah. I don't know how they. There's a lot, a lot of strange things happening in FIFA with Sepp it Blatter does. certainly oh, uh, very much at, so, yeah. in the helm, and, and certainly not North Korea's will, qualification was one of them. Yeah, yeah, well, it, did, it did this year, didn't it? it? Did that year or that year World mm. Cup in, in France mm. when it came all came out in 2015? As Keith said, we'll probably go on to it later on. That should be hilarious. Mm. The witch. Mm. The 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 goings on 2015 came <laughs> yeah. out with the you know the 100. Yeah. We'll, we'll speak about it later. Let's get through we the group. Indeed, yeah, we will indeed. So the next one then we have is um, Spain, Chile, Switzerland, Honduras. Again, Spain. We know that the Spanish had sort of been building up to this. We spoke about a change from a uh, Real Madrid type of Spanish team. Yeah. To a Barcelona type of Spanish team, and it all culminated in in 2010. They weren't very good. That's what I remember from it. And when I look back, I was right. You know, the the Spanish they won this, and they were brilliant. But there was there was a few holes, <laughs> let's say, in the in their squad, in their performances. Maybe let's say in their performances, it won't be too harsh. But they got through the groups, and anyway, they actually lose their first game to Switzerland, one 0 and it's unusual for the, you know, the, the team that win it. Not unusual, but for a team like Spain, who and yeah. if I'm not wrong, they were on an unbeaten run. I think they won the Euros in a way, didn't they? They, they did. The, the, the famous Marco Senna yeah. European Championships. Yeah. yeah, they'd gone out. They were on an unbeaten run, a whopper unbeaten run, and then they hit Switzerland and got beaten but they, they got through that group you know there was no surprises they were never going to be Switzerland Honduras and uh, Chile but they got there it's important getting in there so that's we've look we've blitzed through the group phases there Um nothing overly exciting or interesting happened you know we we had the Vivozellas and we had the Jabalani um, we had France was the, the main talking point in Italy going out but we move on to the, the knockout stages here. And if we look at the game, so the first game up, we have Uruguay and South Korea. don't really remember mm. this, but I know we had uh, two goals, I think, from Suarez in this one. And mm. we'll talk about him in a few minutes. I won't, um, I won't start on him just yet. The next game up, we had Ghana against the United States. And this was, again... Uh, it was it was Ghana a Ghana team that were exciting and they were familiar enough. You know, the, the few names that we would have all recognised. Asamoah um, John, yeah, yeah, and you know, if we look at their start of the the squad that were in there in these games, uh, John Pansel played, John Mensa, um Anthony Yanan, Kevin Prince, Boltan, Quadri, Andrew Ayu, Asamoah Jean, that was that sort of team. Stephen mm. Apoya comes on, Sully Montardi comes on. So they were all sort of familiar players. And at the time, I suppose you had um, a familiarity with the, the Ghanaians. I think um, Michael Essien had uh, made them in vogue for Chelsea in the, yeah. the decade really leading up to this. So they weren't uh, a surprise packet, but they, they got in there and they beat the USA in extra time. You know, they, a lot of, they do a lot of work in this tournament, in fairness to them. But they got through two one in that uh, extra extra time goal by Jan. The next one was Germany and England. I want to talk about this one for a minute. Right, we can talk about this one. England were pony, but and that is a but. 
It's a meter over the goal line. It's madness. It's not even close, you know. It's not even yeah, close. Yeah. It's one of those, to be see, honest with you. See you when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that they just yeah. drop their heads. You can see when they had I was actually it was more stags. <laughs> and, I was, uh, and I was in Liverpool, believe it or not, for that game. <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was hilarious that the goings on around you know the the, the the Brits after that game, uh, the centre of Liverpool got, you know, I remember there'd been trouble. Uh, after as well. I don't know if it was Irish lads went down, lads off my stags started slagging people, but <laughs> yeah. But oh, oh, it's it's uh, Lampard. It's, it's it's clearly a goal, and you see after this happens, the English side just completely dropped their heads. Yeah, hmm. it was. And well, you've got to ask yourself, where's the linesman in all this? You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it's easy to slag, but at the end of the day, and it's easy to say, "Oh, isn't it great that we've got goal?" But this goal is so far over the line yeah. for such a, <laughs> a marked space of time. And again, I always look at players' reactions. You know, the, the English are looking at each other. The Germans are kind of being professional yeah. where is the linesman and all this oh, exactly and that's terrible. a job you know he did yeah, yeah. He, he don't have too much to do without having to dig at linesmen you know but in these sort of instances that's their job there the referee looking straight at it can't see these sort of things but the linesman should be yeah. well on top of that and he wasn't it was outrageous but this game the first German goal, I think Miroslav Klose scores it. Mm. Uh, if anyone remembers it, there was an absolute balls up by um, Terry and Upson at the back, yeah. and the ball just drops. Klose bangs it in, and Germany were just never getting caught that day. It was um, absolute woeful by England, to be honest. They were just absolute. And you're right, Gareth Barry comes on and is getting stripped by Meza Ozil. Um, and look, Meza Ozil, 10 years younger than he is now. He still wasn't a quick player. Do you know what I mean? His game was Not never. Just, I mean, Gareth Barry's running in reverse. I mean, you've got, <laughs> you've, got, you've, got a, you've got a player like Gareth Barry. Don't get me wrong. Very, very, very good player organizing other players. But to put him on a pitch, that's because I remember the size of the pitch. You had a major tournament. You're playing Gareth Barry as the fulcrum on the cover. Yeah. You know, he's, he's. I remember that that instantly. He's coming across. He's got twenty yards to make up. I mean, why on earth is he in that position? <laughs> Yeah. I just, I just not, no disrespect to him. It's just it's yeah. poor management, you know. It's poor planning. I mean, Garrett, you're a coach. Are you going to put a a, a player as one paced as Garrett Barry in front of a back four that's already disorganised? So you, you know that he's going to be filling holes anyway. So he's going to have to go and try and make up his own position. Are you going to put him as fulcrum? I I draw the but, but you you look not, he's, you. Know, you Look who the manager is, right? It's an Italian yeah. manager, and you yeah. look in regards of Barry. Um, and you know, up to that time, he'd play that left full, yeah, at left wing, and he'd be sort sort of become that multifunctional player. And if you yeah. look at the time at left full, he he was never, you know, he was never lightning quick. We, we all no. know he's second Benitez nearly signed him and, and got yeah. rid of uh, Alonso. History, yeah. but if you look, it suited Capello to have him. Because he was more or less a snail. Yeah. He was always good positional-wise in fairness to him. Um, and he, he, look, when he hopped around positions for us, different clubs, he, yeah. he, he'd always done well, you know, at Villa and obviously City. He could play in several positions. And that would have suited Capello because he was good. The pace thing wouldn't have come down because look at Italy over the years, lads. The back fours were never lightning quick. Yeah, but Italy are organised. I mean, you're yeah. talking about in England. They love in England. players, Keith. Uh, sorry, uh, Peter. They love the, the Italian managers. 
it's not about you know pace as you said organization and he was that player he was an organized player they wouldn't have sit, it wouldn't have bothered him to be lightning and quick as we saw Senna previously you know mm. absolute beast with loads of pace and 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 Makarele in previous years yeah. people who had pace and could just use their body to you know where in that position but he was a pivot as as more or less because he had a left peg on him and he had decent passing range well that for but, me I agree with you but if you're if you're going to have that I'm, listen we're analyzing the game from 11 years ago 10 years ago but if you're if you're you're going into a game against a side that's not you're going to have the ball against I don't mind having Garrett Barry in that side because again that left foot comes into play that organisation yep. comes into play because you're bringing other players in. but if you're going up against a team who you know are going to swallow you up whole who every one of them likes to have the ball and you're putting Garrett Barry in front of a disorganised back four you're asking for trouble and this is fellow, as you say yeah. you know a master I mean I just it was like he just reverted to I don't know like like a schoolboy manager. Yeah. I, just, I I remember I didn't get it at the time. Still don't get it now. Yeah, no, it was it's true. Gareth Barry, I agree with you there, Gar. He was that Swiss Army knife that that England needed. You know that could go in. He was tall as well. You know he wasn't a small player. He was tall. He was big. He was robust. But he just wasn't tactically. You know. <sighs> Technically and tactically, as astute as or crafty as a typical Italian, you know, I think, and yeah, that, we know, we know, version of it, but that says more about, I think, the English maybe. I know, high and so is a great thing, right? But if you look at that squad now, yeah, and the difference Milner could have made in that position, yeah, Milner played in this, he was game playing left wing left through this wing. tournament, I'm really sure, yeah. And if you look I played in the right wing in this game. He was on the left. He was. But in this match, actually, Gerard is down as left wing because Barry, Barry came into the centre with Lampard. Okay, there, there you go. Went really? left okay. and Milner yeah. went to the right. But he was yeah. left wing before that. If you look in hindsight now, you'd, you'd probably go right. If, with the squad, if you still have the yeah. name at Force 11 in hindsight, you'd probably put Milner in there because yeah. as Peter pointed to, you need someone who's going to get amongst the feathers and going to kick people and going to put the foot in and who has a bit of pace to be able to do that. And Garibar, or Garibar well, case in point, the, the, incident talk, the, the incident we're talking about, you know, Mesodozil stripping uh, Barry out of it. Milner takes him out. Yeah, yeah he does, yeah, yeah. And I know what to say. is a great thing. Yeah. Hoyensoy is a great thing, but listen, mm. it, you know, if you have that today, and the three of us, I'm sure, were naming that team. We'd have probably put Milner at the full yeah. fulcrum of it because exactly. of the Your right, Gar Hoinsoy is a great thing, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's easy to look back and say, well, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. have done that. But <laughs> they, were, they were brutal in that tournament, England. They really were. And no disrespect to any of our English listeners, you know, it was... It was a poor team, and I don't think it was. I don't think there was much hope. Usually, we'd talk about maybe I'm wrong, but usually England will win, and there's loads of hype and hope in every tournament. But I, I can't remember if if there was in this one, and if there was. Kato, you look, but you look back, and you know, of certain autobiographies that have come out about you know that time and that you know Capello's leadership, etc., or lack of. You know, people have always said about the little clicks that was in that squad. They even put it for the World Cup before, and obviously now you know in. in you know, uh, now under Southgate and fairness, he seems they've got things uh, a little bit right. But that's yeah. affected, that's had an effect in all now. More is the clicks in that squad, yeah. the Chelsea players, the United players, and and it's come out in as as I said in autobiographies that they the dislike for one of these lads had for one another, um, and and as you can imagine, that's going into that squad and meeting up for squad days. There would have been clicks around. You, oh, you, yeah. Nice place to be, look. 
And one of the main things I always remember, again, I keep saying this, but I'm a huge Serie A fan. I sort of grew up loving Serie A. And the difference, I think, if you look at someone like Fabio Capello, Fabio Capello would have been a disciplinarian. Yeah. And he would have come from, right, I know he didn't come from Italy. I think Real Madrid was his last job before he got the England manager's gig. But he would have came up in Italy where the coaches refer to as Mr. It's mm. utmost respect mm. to the coach back at that time to this crap that England and this golden generation of England. They were a very talented group of players, but the club rivalry, I think, played a huge thing. You yeah. on the yeah. air, you 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 said you said about autobiographies and you're right, you read them all and the Liverpool players stuck with the Liverpool players, the United players stuck with the United players, the Chelsea players stuck with the Chelsea, and they were all big characters and they were all big personalities. Mm. And I think there was too much player power. Maybe Sven as well sort of allowed that to develop throughout the start of this golden generation. But I think it sort of culminated at this, that there was no respect for um, Capello and they showed when they went over there. I think they were absolutely yeah. garbage. They were brutal. Sorry, just the last thing on that for me. The, the big problem you have with, with, with England in particular is it, the English think, and a lot of people that talk about England think that they're the only country in the world where there's cultural or club divides. Every country has it. The problem that I always say, and I've said this to you on a number of occasions, the problem the English have is they pick the best players. Yeah. They don't yeah. pick the best squad. If you Sounds want to win it. a tournament, you've got to you've got to have balance. And picking the, the best one to 22 really gives you that. All you're doing is picking the 22 biggest egos. The last successful, truly successful English manager, well, Barca Bobby Robson, for, who for me was successful in 1990 in English terms. But Alf Ramsey left left five or six seriously heavy hitters out of this. I mean, Jimmy Greaves yeah. didn't play. And he was the, the, the world superstar of English football at the time. Roger Hunt at the time. Massive yeah. stars didn't play. He picked players from Blackpool, from Preston, players who were functional, who he knew would do, would mm. execute the plan that he wanted to execute. And this is the problem that you have, I think, with England. The Italians do it, for example, every tournament, before every tournament, as we're talking about World Cups, there's always a controversy. Keith, you're a big uh, Serie A fan over this big star being left out, whether it's Totti, whether it's Inzaghi. And the manager will always say the same thing. I respect this player. He's a fantastic individual. However, he's... Everybody should definitely come to Baltimore. We have a way of speaking to each other through food. It's really renewed for me, my love of what I do. It's going to take something far stronger than a pandemic to defeat us. All of these businesses are taking precautions to make sure that everyone is safe. We're ready. See what we've got going on. Plan your visit at Baltimore.org. Not right for what I'm trying to achieve. Exactly. And that's a big difference, you know, and I think it did pan out for England in this. They were, they were sort of showing up a bit, I think. And without labouring on it too much, we'll move on because we could talk about them all night and, mm. you know, they weren't that good. So we'll, we won't bother. <laughs> uh, the next game in the, in the knockouts was another controversial one. It was Argentina against Mexico. And I don't know if anyone remembers this one. Um, Carlos Tevez got two goals, mm. Gonzalo Higuain and uh, Javier Hernandez got Hernandez scores me, yeah. But there was Tevez scored a cracker in this call yeah. after about 25 yards into the top corner. One of the most upsetting things about this was the Argentina kit on the day. They wore their <laughs> blue stripes and they had blue shorts. And 
I got really upset about this today when I was looking back. I had to Google that <laughs> I played the tournament with like this, and it was just this game. I don't know why they didn't have that black shorts on them, but it really done me head in, you know. So <laughs> it, it threw hey, me. Hey, 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 you know what Kate's ringtone is, don't you? I'm a so, dedicated follower of fashion. <laughs> <laughs> they see him here. The yeah. kinks, huh? <laughs> Look, it really upset me, and I'm not going to lie. I'm like, what's going on here? Why, why the fuck are Argentina wearing blue shorts with blue and white spikes? Difficult on the adults. I wasn't happy about it. Um, but, hell and ever, you know, they won the game. But if you remember in this one, there was a Tevez goal, and he was a more <laughs> offside. And got given anyway. It he went on around and, a few players, though. I think yeah. it would have been one yeah, of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, you're, 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 you. I remember this game for some bizarre reason, but it bounced. Out. It's one of those. It goes to VAR. Yeah, and it's, that's it's what it was about. Want to actually? But it's pinball. You've got three seconds to make up your mind, and most referees are just pointing to the center spot. You know, it came off three players, didn't it? I'm nearly sure. Yeah. That. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's who did it hit last, and yeah, where yeah. was the keeper? It's a lot of these things that comes into as you and know, Gar. Touches you know? on to something you did mention there about the what was you know if the ref can't see it, why can't the linesman see it? Yeah. And I think this was one of the things that really brought the VAR, um, the need for VAR. It pushed the conversation along, I think, because yeah. Sepp Latter actually came out and apologised to the English FA and the Mexican FA. He said he contacted them to apologise because the the referees, you know, blatant mistakes were made and, you know, they, they accepted the apologies, blah, you know, as they do, you know. But um, I think it might have been after this tournament, I don't know if it was the Confederations Cup that might have happened after this, that mm. they brought in them geezers that stand on the goal line. Mm. The, you know, the fifth these, official. These useless officials that... Yeah. The ones that did nothing from the penalty shootout. You know, I think, I think um was brought in after that and it was based on, on incidents like this. You know, it's just one of them. We forget really what football was like back before VAR and it's only been in two years, a year in the Premier League and a year before that. But it, it really, you know, it would have, it could have had a big difference for Mexico and England in the World Cup. Yeah. It had it been something like that at the time. But look, there wasn't. So Mexico went on the bow home with England and we move on. So the next one up was the Netherlands against Slovakia. This Dutch team, this Dutch team were a decent team, but they were a hard mm. team. As we'll, again, we'll talk about later on. Um, they were a tough, tough team. Mm. Uh, do we have any overriding memories of the Dutch in this? Yeah, Nigel de Jong. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Pole action people. I mean, it's you touch on something. The Dutch had had so many near misses. I mean, I, none of us have ever seen anything like the Dutch team of 1988. They had everything. We've we've had shows about Van Basen, my favourite player, Ruud Hulley. But they've had so many near misses in years that weren't 1988. And it yeah. was down to not being tough enough, probably being a little bit too, shall we say, pleasing on the eye, not, not being cynical enough. This Dutch team had cynicism. And yeah, I had Derek yeah. Kelt running around. A hell of a lot of it. If you look through as well, that's, you know, Boyax um, have, have, you know, their, their European sort of, their factory, if you want to call it, hadn't been producing yeah. major stars for, for, a, for a long time before it. And you look now through this squad, you, you've got a lot of PSV boys. It was a, a, a huge, you made Johnny Hoyting in, like a, a pure yeah. bulldozer, like, you know, pure... Yeah. You know, Lens are senior league, send a half yeah. like yeah, hundred percent. 
Um, yeah, St- Stegelenberg and Neh, who, who wasn't yeah. great, but in fairness to him, he got a, a, a fair few moves out, uh, out of it. John Average, wasn't he? But you're right, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Van Persie, obviously, well. leading the line, Lloyd, and you, you know, with Schneider in there. But as, as Pete's touched on, a very, very hard working Dutch side and, mm. and, and got rid of the bullshit that yeah. I don't know, went over and shook hands with France before and said, You can have, you can have the yeah. inter bullshit and we, we'll just get on, we'll get cracking on here. Mm. And if we look at the centre midfield, um, it was Van Bommel and the Young, you know. Yeah. There's not much silk in that, but there's a lot of lead and steel, you know what I mean? And it's we spoke about Van Bommel in the last one about the type of player that he was. And the Young, the Young was a, a star that shone brightly for a while and then disappeared. But my yeah. God, he was a tough, tough man, you know what I mean? He was a no-nonsense midfielder. He could play ball as well. He wasn't just a kicker. Yeah, yeah he was, yeah, yeah. No, but he, he was a ferocious, ferocious player. And it was, you're right about what you said there, Pete. The Dutch, to me, were always a pleasing on the total football. You know, 88 was the memory, but other than that, they hadn't really, they'd flattered to the save. And this team was one that I didn't fancy too much to, to go, but mm. they, they moved on now. Again, we'll we'll move through this. They, they won that game against Slovakia. The, Slovakia weren't a great team. They got through a group unfancied. But then we had Brazil and Chile in the next one. Um, Brazil had a comfortable 3-0 win. Now, talking about teams, Brazil, this Brazil team were a bit... Yeah, Luis Fabiano. Kaka was the star. Still, yeah. he wasn't, you know, probably wasn't really... Well... Yeah, but he still was a few good players, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. through it, like you know, if you've got you know Lucio, obviously the the Leverkusen, you know, Hol- mm. you know, Dream had sort of faded off with this, hadn't it? Um, you've got Michel Bastos was at the time was was flying yeah. at the foot, yeah. and for instance, yeah. Robinho was um, in the world, wasn't he? He's a leader. I've seen, seen him play in the flesh. I used to go to Tottenham a lot when I lived in London, and I've I never I've never in my life seen a player stand. On a halfway line with his hands on his hips and a pair of gloves, and Robinho was, Lazy, was that player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, he'd get he'd get a few he'd slaps on stick. me. Yeah, and mm. people I know in Madrid uh, mm. hated hated when he mm. came because yeah. he's, you said stand in the middle and just wants things to happen. Fabiano boy, boys here as well. Don't forget, an mm. um, absolute you know machine. Of, of yeah. He was, and he was, he was a good centre forward. But the quality that had gone from previous World Cups, where we spoke yeah. about Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Ronaldinho, Romario, yeah. Roberto, even the last one you would sort of Adriano, maybe a bit more than his prime. Whereas this one, I just think that the quality maybe wasn't there for this. Yeah. Because had Ramirez had come into the team, and he was just a workhorse for them. Um, it wasn't a great team, but they went through easy enough. And then with Paraguay and Japan, stink or nil all draw. Mm. Paraguay go through on penalties. Uh, and that brings us to Spain v Portugal. Can't even remember this one. Does anyone oh, have any? I remember this just to sell it. It was always going to be, you know, here in Spain, it's, you know, if a Portugal game comes around, it's just, you don't, you don't lose this game. You don't lose yeah. this game. And I remember this game being just, I mean, for me, David Villa was a huge different difference maker for any team he played in. He's just, you know, you know, you get those teams, lads, and Spain was one of those teams in this tournament that can keep the ball 80% of the time, yeah. but never have anything to show for at the end. David Villa is that player that makes sure that you have yeah. something to show for Killer, at the yeah. end. Yeah. I remember, if you remember him playing for Barcelona in that Champions League final against Manchester United, yeah. it was a spell where I think Rooney had equalised and 
within the flash of an eye, David V had put one in the top corner just to kill the game. You know, they yeah. he's that player that he makes sure that you get what you deserve. What yeah. a very underrated. I don't think he gets a lot of credit, David V, oh. for uh, the type of player he was. He was sensational. He's finishing. Uh, he scored a goal nearly from the halfway line in, in his yeah. tournament. Uh, yeah. And you know, nine nine centre forwards out of ten are not taking it taking it on. He was that. Sure, he was just—he was an excellent, very underrated player. Probably there yeah. were so many great centre forwards in the world at the time, and in this tournament at the time that we don't talk about him enough. But he was ice cool, really. Good. He had, he had everything. He he, oh. he he was he was pure raw pace. He was he reminds you of Michael Owen in ways, you know, that mm. killer finish at times. But he could also, in fairness to him, he put it about up front for some yeah. Yeah. You know, he was up for a fight. He wasn't just one to rely on his pace. Of he would, because don't forget, a lot of this tournament he plays up there in his own. That's yeah, no choice. Tough little cunt. And again, yeah, some rugged centre halves in this tournament. Mm. Let's be honest. Mm. Oh yeah, he's a tough guy, but he gets the goal and puts them through. So we move on now to the the quarterfinals. First game of the quarters is Netherlands against Brazil. Um, two Sh- one to the Netherlands. Sure. Schneider mm. was perfect. yeah, it was um, a good tournament, and I think Schneider back was in vogue, wasn't he? At the time, was this the yeah. year Mourinho was gone to Inter? Did they win the mm. Champions League? Was it the following 2011? Year? I think it was, maybe yeah, it was, was but he was, or was he, it? Was it maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, yeah. it's this era, it's this era. You know, he was really at his peak. He was getting linked with Man United every second day, you know, and it never never came to He made some strange choices, I think, ended up in Galatasaray. Yeah. But he was the he was the brains in that um that Dutch team and he did drive them on, you know. He he had a good World Cup. Um I'd see it just flashed in, yeah, Inter won the Champions League in twenty ten. So yeah. you know, he was really at his at his peak of his powers and, and he did as a creative force he was driving them through. Now this Brazil, the bet Brazil two one in this our friend Robinho got one for Brazil, mm-hmm. put them one nil up. Um can't remember it, but I'm sure it was nothing special. And two goals then by Schneider in the second half just killed it off. But uh, the Dutch marched on. The Brazilians were gone out. The next game was Uruguay and Ghana. I'm going to skip that one for a minute. Oh, yeah. Because there's someone, <laughs> someone that we should talk about in this game. As Liverpool supporters, we've got to talk about that game later on. I'm coming back to that now in a second. <laughs> Argentina, my favourite. I love Argentina. 4 0 to Germany. Gone, right? There they Black shorts in this game. You just please know. Um, Paraguay and Spain then was an absolute. Stinker again. David Villa gets a goal for Spain to put them through, and that was the fourth Whoa. game in the finals. Yeah. I want to go back to the other game we didn't talk about was Ghana against Uruguay. What do you remember about this, lads? I let Gary talk about the controversy and the handball, but for me, all I'll say is if, for example, John Terry handles the ball out of the top corner. And England go on to the next round and progress in the final. He's a hero. He's yeah. uh, sacrificed himself for the team, yeah. and he's done what he can. He's done what he's supposed to do for the greater good. But it's very, very easy to pin uh, Johnny Foreigner as the evil. Luis Suarez did his job. Now he's a shit house. We all know he's a shit house, but he did his job. If he doesn't do that, if he doesn't do that. You're asking him why he's not done. And Gary, you're a coach. If you if he's not if he, if a, your player doesn't do that in the same in the same situation, you're asking him why. You can see you can see when he's going off when he, when he what makes the walk off. You can actually see his coaches. 
you know, are, are oh. sort of looking going, you've done us a favour here. And it's, right. I have to say, lads, it's a great save. It is a great save. <laughs> it's an absolute <laughs> great save. But in fairness, but as you've just touched on up here, like, you know, if you look, uh, as as you say, you know, he's, his little bit of reputation was beginning. Had he done his, his little thing at Ajax there as well? At that uh, time, so. Is the boy, boy? Yeah. He was banned when we signed him, so this this boy, okay. So so this was the start of his, yeah. his chaos, I suppose. But if if you're looking for it, you know, as he he's just touched on, if that's anyone else, you know, if that's let's just say if it's one of the noise boys in the tournament, you know, a, a German player or you know, a South African boy does it, there's there's no chaos here. Mm. Yeah, but Hero. Uruguay were tearing it up at the time um, so not, not really fancy going into it if, if I remember right and you know uh, I think Shawnee put in earlier in the comments you know Forlan has an unbelievable tournament here as well um, you know you've, you've the, the sort of bird of uh, Cavani as well this trio front um, but if, you know as, as Pete's touched on if you want last you know last couple minutes of a game and a ball's come in like that, and you know you you want someone to do that, or if someone's going through last minute of a game, just cross the halfway line, take them. Yeah, yeah it's it's such the, a job, and it's, it's easy in in a tournament like this to be derided and to be made a hay figure because of the tournament, because of what's what, what's involved in it. You know, if it's a normal Sunday league game, you don't hear about it. Let's be honest here. Um, if it's a championship game on a Saturday afternoon, you don't hear about it. If it's a if it's a national league game, you don't hear about it because obviously there was so much riding on it. And, and not the, only that, he he robbed Africa. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. The, 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 yeah. You know, the, as you say, I tell, you, I tell you what he did. I tell you what he did, which made it. To be honest with you, I remember that game and the stadium was rocking. It was yeah. Africa versus the world, yeah. Yeah. and he absolutely killed the atmosphere. <laughs> The atmosphere died, and it just became. The minute it went to penalties, you just knew there was no way. At one stage during the shootout, and I don't want to skip over, keep what you're going to say, but at one stage during the shootout, one of the Ghanaian players scores, and you can see him trying to get the crowd yeah. back. Yeah. They <laughs> lost the crowd. He, Luis Suarez. I mean, he's the big. He's the panto villain. Oh. But what it, what, the moment he did that because the penalty, the subsequent penalty, I think was missed by Asamoah Gyan. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah, it was missed. Yeah. It was the last it was kick an awful penalty. Awful penalty. Awful. In fairness to Gian, Gian steps up and takes the fourth one in the shootout. So he yeah. missed the penalty, the last kick of the game, and then steps up to take the fourth one. The, the balls to do in fairness to him. It, it was a very uh, ballsy thing to do. But Suarez, when he missed the penalty, and all Suarez is on the side jumping around like he scored the winner in the World Cup. <laughs> And the, the explanation, like the, the Uruguayans, Farland came out and said it, and the coach, the Vardes, came out and said it. says, what do you want them to do? He's a hero. That's a, yeah. We wouldn't want yeah. anything else. The Ghanaians actually were quite um, mag, what's a magnanimous and sort of said, look, when he's there, he's he's a hero back in Montevideo. Maybe not in Ghana, you know, but in Montevideo, he's well, a hero. Let, let, me put, let me give you a different verse. And it's strange because I've got African blood, obviously. In in 1990... So, so <laughs> yeah, somewhere. Uh, in, in, in 1990, Argentina played um, Cameroon. And I think there were three <coughs> Cameroon players sent off. And they spent 90 minutes kicking Diego Maradona, kicking Claudio Canigia, yeah. kicking everything in a blue and white stripe. At the end of that game, they beat Argentina 1-0. Heroes. Yeah. Nobody talks about the shithouse 90 minutes they've just no. been through. And they end up in the quarterfinal of the World Cup. And they're heroes. So you tell me. You tell me. Yeah. Which is worse. 
Exactly. It's at the end of the day, you know, you want to be in there. We'll we'll move on in any way. I could talk about it for another hour, but uh, <laughs> the clock is ticking, I suppose. And uh, we move on to the semi-finals. Now, the fourth semi-final, Uruguay in the Netherlands. Um, the, this was a good game. It was 3-2 to the, the Dutch went through 3-2 in this. And I remember, was this the game Van Bronckhorst got an absolute lead and rocket in this one? Yeah. Left from about 35 yards at an angle. Right. Yeah. In, cracking goal. Um, Airboy Forlan gets one again for, for Uruguay. Forlan had an excellent tournament. Um, it was it was a great tournament by him, but it was a, a step too far, I suppose. Obviously, they're missing um, Suarez. You know, it was a big loss for them. We didn't know him at the time, but we you know the the reputation was was building. You know he was well known at, at Ajax, um, but uh, stop putting them bleeding comments in the box there. <laughs> <laughs> Have a quiz coming up. Have a quiz coming up. Um, so that was the first one. And anyway, uh, the second semi final was Spain and Germany, and this one, you know, was a, a German team we touched on. Um, we did the. Coming out, coming out of uh, Manuel Neuer for this tournament, you know he come in, he taken over as number one. We had um, obviously Mertesacker, Boateng, Friedrich. We had Kader coming into the yeah. squad for this World Cup. We had Schweinsteiger, uh, Ozil developing into a, a player again. Ten years ago, he was a very exciting player back then, and then Podolski and Klaus. It was a formidable German team. Mm. This Spanish team were developing a habit of grinding out wins. And they done it again. They got a one 0 win, um, seventy two minute goal by Puyol, uh, yeah. and it was just another slog in the way into the final. Now we'll go to the final. Very again, I'm rushing through this because we have to do a quiz. And um, the the main talking point for me was Suarez, and anyway, everything else in this World Cup was shit. <laughs> so got to the final, and what do we remember about the final, gentlemen? In the este, and uh, yeah. not I remember uh, Javi Alonso's chest. Mm. Yeah, parts yeah. of it were stuck on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, part of it back, went back to Mersey. So, it's, uh, if yeah, uh, I think so. Or his head nearly, nearly got kicked off. Yeah. Um, but uh, as you say, a bit of shithousery from, from the Dutch in this game. They were just kicking, lump, absolute kicking, lumps out of the Spanish uh, for most of the game. I was actually in uh, in Valencia for this game. Um, and they, this, the Dutch were absolutely just. I'd never seen a game so filthy in you know in years gone by. They were just mauling into them. It was another case of uh, a bad referee not getting a hold of a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was it? He lost it early, Keith. He lost it. That referee lost it very, very early. Manchester. Oh, I was playing Howard Webb, is it? Yeah, Howard Webb. They own the Baldy community, no favours whatsoever. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you, lad, it, it, you're right. You're right not to not talk about the game as a spectacle. But for me, the game should be remembered for one thing only, and that was not not just Iniesta's goal, but what he did. I mean, we all had the dream. We've scored the goal in the last minute or the last few minutes of a of a major tournament. And we think, what we do? Which member of our family would we do? But the guy. The first thing you could think of was a, a player called Daniel Harke, who had died Harke, the year yeah. beforehand. The year beforehand, an Espanol player who traditionally Barcelona they would be Espanol would be like Everton yeah, yeah. to Barcelona. They're poor neighbours, but yeah. Iniesta, being the man that he is, the decent, fantastic human being that he is, the all-time great that he is, decided to dedicate Spain's greatest moment yeah. to 
uh, to Daniel Harkey, which for me is is what the whole war, that World Cup should have been. Should have he, been. Didn't, he, didn't he play in junior leagues with with, with that um, with that guy? I think so. Think so. A little bit of a bond, the previous yeah. bond there between. And he would have probably come up through the the junior the underage teams and all of yeah. Spain together. Mm. I think that was your right there. That was a measure of the man and the sort of mentality that that Barca team that Pep Guardiola had created. They were a special bunch, you know what I mean? And they were hard workers, but they were very humble as well. You know, yeah. I won't talk too much about Barcelona again. Okay. Be a fanboy about Pep's Barcelona team, but it was great to see a player like Iniesta get the reward mm. to win that World Cup because Holland went in with a plan. They got away with it and the quality shone in the end. Now, if you remember the game, there was um, Robin had a chance. Um, I think Casillas made a good save. Yeah. Sergio Ramos had a free header, but there wasn't much else happened in the game and it was destined. It was on its way to Penos, drab, Penos shootout. And then Iniesta pops in and it was great for a player like that to do it. So we, you know, Spang at the World Cup, we spoke about them in previous um, episodes about how they were building and building and building. Again, this culminated in in a World Cup win for them and it was on the back of a, a Euros. And did they win the next Euros as well? Did they win? Did they win 12? I can't remember. I thought they won the next one as well, yeah, because that was the, that was the end of them. That, that was when we started seeing more of the Barca boys in, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a fabric yeah. that fault annoying and all this. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 didn't play, they didn't play that tournament with a, with a, uh, with a number nine, if, if one um, really. That's right. Six, yeah, that, that, that strange formation. Yeah, Four, yeah six, didn't zero. play it. Yeah. Because it all the... the the inverted, you know, different positions and, and Pep's sort of mentality was really going through the national side yeah. at the time, nearly sure. It was. Yeah, they say in, in Spain, we said this last, they say it, it's Spain is Barcelona, they say Barca sin Messi, Barca without Messi. Yeah. You know, and, and they benefit, they, they, and they benefit from that. For, I mean, you talked about earlier about, you know, for me, the biggest miss now, Spain, is uh, Carlos Puyol. What a yeah. player. Yeah. What a player. Exactly. And but I, th- I think, from, yeah, yeah. That's Shea Helsley that the that Ramos would have brought to it as well. You know, the, yeah. it was Barcelona, the leadership of Puyol, but then you had like a Ramos in there to balance out any goodness. There's a lot of bullshit comes with 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 uh, Ramos though. To be honest with you, that you don't get with a man like Carlos Puyol. And I, I say that I choose my words carefully. Sergio Ramos is is a man boy. You know, I, I can't fucking stand players like him. But mm-hmm. and I, you know, I don't use language that often. But Carlos Puyol. If you lose to a team with Carlos Puyol in it, you don't really mind. You know, he's a man's man, decent player, no bullshit, you know? Peter, you look at what Peter, what, what Keith said earlier, you know, he's a lover of the Italian game. If you look at Puyol, a real sort of Italian type defender, you know, was his position was 100% on all the time. He threw his body on the line. And in fairness, he was one of these types of guys who, you know, if he went to ground, he was only going to ground because yeah. he needed to. Yeah, it's hurt. A lot of defenders now that just go to ground so easy. Van Dijk not obviously being you know one in a million, but you know Puyol, you know pure body on the line, yeah. put his body on the line for for his team. You know, we, it wasn't for himself. No. Pure, you know, I, I'm here for the I'm, I'll back his up, yeah. lads. Mm. Unselfish, very unselfish. A yeah. leader, yeah. A, a proper, a proper leader, leader. Yeah. proper leader, yeah. unselfish. Would done everything sort of for the benefit of his team, you know what I mean? A great player, very a player. I don't think Barca ever really replaced, to be totally honest with you. Um, yeah. 
how can you replace someone like that? And Spain as well, you know, they might have moved on to PK, but he just doesn't have the, he's the clown. That guy's a clown. Yeah, he doesn't have and the PK is not liked here. Uh, he's not liked outside of Barcelona. I mean, for he he spent his whole Spain international career complaining about playing for Spain, yeah. going on about being Catalan. For me, I have more respect for guys like uh, I don't know if you remember Oliger years ago. Yeah. He was called up by Spain. Uh, as a young a player, and he said, he said, he, and he, said he said, No, I'm Catalan, I don't play yeah. for Spain. Whereas, so if you, have an issue, you don't go and deal with it in the fourth yeah, place. Whereas, PK, PK, PK the clown went and took all the trappings of being an international player, but moaned about it for his whole yeah. career. He's the guy's a clown for me, he's a clown. Yeah. So that, that wraps up our look back at the 2010 World Cup. I'm sure we could talk about more stuff on it, but we're going to move on to the quiz and we're going to have. Gar versus P. Like I said, I'm not in it this time and I'm not happy about it, but needs must. <laughs> so, lads. There's an asterisk one... already beside one of yours, Keith, anyway, so. Well, you know, we'll take any asterisk I can get. <laughs> um, not a bother. I'm firmly on board with the asterisks. Um, this is going to be, there's going to be multiple choice and there's going to be non-multiple choice, but they're not going to be in a nice order like the way Dicko and all those them. So this is going to be mixed up a bit. So we'll start off. We'll get through this fairly quick, boys. Um, you know the usual format. It's not our first rodeo. So we'll go with question number one. Which team made their World Cup debut at this tournament? I'm not giving you a choice, so you just have to... No, Korea. Don't lead and say the answer, will Oh, oh sorry. I have to write now, do we? Yeah. I think so. yeah. Oh, apologies, apologies. Sorry. Me saying it's not your first rodeo. Guys jumping in with a blade and answer. <laughs> I thought it was a one v one for God's sake. It is a one v one. Give me buzzer and already here. <laughs> Should have had me pen. <laughs> yeah. Question two: Of the seven hundred and thirty-six players who took part in this World Cup. How many played their football in England? Now, there is a choice on this one. Is it number one? Is there 103? Is it 117? Or is it 127? Question three. How many goals did North Korea in a group of Brazil, Portugal and the Ivory Coast concede in the tournament? Was it 12, 14 or 16? Okay, next one. And this isn't a multiple choice one. What was unusual about the Germany versus Ghana game in the group phase? What one thing was the sort of stand? We're wearing pink shorts, Keith, really. Well, <laughs> no, we'll move on to that. Um, <laughs> next one. Have you both got an answer for that yet? Yeah. Okay. Uh, who were the only unbeaten team in the 2010 World Cup? Next question. How many African teams made it to the knockout phase? Was it one, two, or three? Thomas Muller, or the next question is ready, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Thomas Muller won the Golden Bill uh, with five goals. David Villa, Wesley Schneider, and Diego Forlan also had five goals. But why was the award given to Muller? Was it? More goals from open play? Was it scored in the least amount of minutes? Or was it the most assists? Uh, 
Next question. Who won the player of the tournament? Garbrain's looking like the cat that got the cream there. He <laughs> <laughs> um, number nine. Spain set a new record for the least number of goals scored by a World Cup winning team. How many did they get? That's a bit hard, so I'm going to give you a choice on that one because you could be guessing anything. Was it six, eight, or ten? And the last question, and we won't be looking for an exact number on this, it'll be the closest to we'll get the point. What was the attendance for the final? No choices on this. So have we got ten answers? Yeah. Guy, you happy? I think think I'm missing one more. Go ahead. Which one do you think you're missing? We can uh, recap. One, two, three, four, uh, five, is it? Five. Uh, the only unbeaten team in the World Cup. Yeah, okay. Right. So we'll start off. Who made their debut in this tournament? I think I was right on North Korea. Oh, shit, North Korea. Although I, said they, yeah. I thought they played in 66, but I, I, I was obviously wrong. Never doubt yourself, Pete. They did play in 66. <laughs> ah, who's right? They did. They played in 66 and they um, famously bet some with Donald's Portugal or uh, Italy at Goodison Park. Now, it was um, Slovakia were the first. They played on <laughs> Czechoslovakia, but it was their first time and last time as Slovakia. Um. The 736 players, how many played in England? I have 127. I put 117. Right, so that's one point for Gar. 117. Ah, on how many goals did North Korea get in the group? Oh, sorry, concede. How many did they concede in the group? I've got 12. Well, the goal was 11, was it? No, it was 12, 14, or 16. Because they shipped oh, sorry. seven to yeah, sorry, 12, uh, 12, sorry, yeah. Point for both is it was 12. Yeah, they shipped seven against Portugal. And it was actually Brazil, I think, only bet them 2-1, um, yeah. which was unusual. I think a reflection of that Brazil team. Yeah, cool. Number four, what was unusual about the Germany and Ghana game? Brothers, the two, yeah, uh, two Prince Boateng brothers. And Jerome Balls, I think, yeah. Yeah. Two brothers facing off. There was another unique brother. Does anyone know the other unique brother? Story? Yeah, the tree. Uh, there was a tree. Uh, family of tree, wasn't it? it? Was yeah. Do you know who they were? Um, uh, the uh, what? Um, one of them played Honduras. One of them played mm-hmm. for week. One of them played for Wigan. Pete jumped uh, in and stayed a bonus point. What was the surnames? Oh, from Honduras. Yeah, you got me. Uh, yeah. No, you got me. Pal- Palacios, Wigan. Palacios, Wigan. Yeah, Wilson Palacios. Really? Two brothers, yeah. I don't know what their names three, were. Three, family of three, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah three Palacios. Um, so <laughs> that was that one. Uh, who were the only unbeaten team in the World Cup? Do we know? Unbeaten team? I, th- I thought they were a team that went down. No, wasn't it? Did Italy draw their games or something? Oh, I have stupid. a blank on this. 
the correct answer is not Italy, it's New Zealand. New Zealand drew their three games. They drew all uh, their games. And went out, yeah. I think they were in. Because New Zealand drew with Italy now. Yeah, they did. They drew, yeah. yeah they, they were in the Italian one, but the three draws wasn't enough for them. So ah, they, right. that's, that's proper Ireland's uh, World Cup pedigree, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure is. Um, next one. How many African teams made it to the knockout phase? I think one. One. So not Ghana. Correct. Yeah, Ghana were the only one. South Africa were the first host nation not to get out of the groups ever. Now seven. Tommy Muller got the golden boot. What differentiated him from Via Schneider and Forlan? I'm going to say assists. It was an open play who he went with because, you know, slightly different. Yeah, the correct answer was assists. He got three assists and the others only got one assist. Only only because of the the amount of assists that he's gotten in his career. That's the only reason I went went that direction. The other three three were actually split by the amount of goals per minute played. That's how they split them second, third and fourth. I don't know if they got a blade in. A trophy or a medal for that. <laughs> but he got the he got the actual golden bill. Um who won player of the tournament? Forlan. Diego Forlan. Correct. Shawnee's boy. Who, who won young player, P? Oh, it's a very good question. Uh, who was the young player? Were there any young players at this tournament actually? <laughs> Number nine. Spain set the record for the least amount of goals. How many did they get? Eight. Pete. Eight. Sorry, I guessed eight, but maybe eight. it's more. No, it's eight. Ten. Eight is correct. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Broke the record. Um, England in sixty-six. Um, Ger- Argentina in eighty-six. There was a few of them. I think had ten. England. Um. Spain broke it. Like I said, they scuttered their way through the tournament. Um, yeah, yeah. They not When you look back, it was a great era for Spain, but the tournament they weren't great in it. Um, but done what they had to do, obviously. Last question was the attendance for the final. Now, obviously, I don't expect you to get a spot on, and if you do, it'll be a Stewart's inquiry. That was a the nearest to it wins. Oh, I went to eighty-two. I thought, I thought to be honest, I thought it was about 85, 86. I'm going to say 86. So Gar's going with 82 and Pete's going with 86. We have to do a bit of math here to see who's the closest. <laughs> is it that close? <laughs> it, 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 the actual attendance is 84, 490. So it's look at in, that. <laughs> I think that will put Gar... Yeah, Gar wins. Point on that one. Now I'm going to top these up. One, two, three, four, five, six. And that sneaks Gar Brain as this week's winner at the death. <laughs> snatches victory from the jaws of defeat. By 2,000 people. <laughs> 2, was it the last question, was it? 
<laughs> well, it was, yeah, it was, that's what got you ahead. Otherwise, you were going to me toy breakers. Oh, um, man, Pete. Good man, Pete. <laughs> so you say the listeners having to listen to that. Um, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. We have a Stewart's inquiry here. We have a, an interference here by Gav is claiming that Pete wins on the attendance. How's that? Hold on. 82. I said 86. Uh, 86. Yeah, sorry, 86. Yeah, actually, sorry, Gar, I'm taking this back. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote them down wrong. After all that fanfare, Pete, you win. Really? Asterix, it's an Asterix win. Asterix win. Asterix win. Yeah, take all the Asterixes we can get. Uh, and luckily that Gav is monitoring this. Otherwise, it would have been a, a shame. Carl Vorderman's job is safe. KPMG are on board, huh? Yeah, independent observer standing behind me. About to whip me off the screen. Do you know, that's actually an ironic little moment we've had there. Do you know what was unusual? Quick one before we go about this, the the host selection for this World Cup. It came down to Morocco and South uh, South Africa. It was only African teams were allowed to play for this. Hmm. Morocco won the vote, but South Africa got the tournament. So it's this all comes back to our old friends in money, Chuck- Mr. Blazer, and uh, yeah, yeah, first. Let's let's dedicate a whole show to how crooked Sepp Blatter is. We could do, yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, it, it, I could try and put that down to a little bit of a, you know, it, I I planned to balls up the end of the quiz just to get that point in, but I didn't. I just made the balls of it. Um, well, you're so not going to get the, the bleeding house job of pointless any anytime <laughs> soon, anyway. So. You know, I'll take this one. You know, if this is my only ever hosting gig, I, I think I've gone down quite well. You know, I'm like you've, a, done, re- you've done really well, pal. A, gr- a great debut, in my opinion. I'm like a bald Rachel Loyley, and not, <laughs> you, know. you look like Carl Pilkington actually on this camera. <laughs> a slightly well, happy, happier version. <laughs> but I think the, the the Graham Hunter show come up earlier on. I'm going with that one. I did see that, yeah, I did see that. I got compared to Christian Walsh the other night, and I <laughs> shaved my beard off. No, you don't want that one. You don't want that one, mate. Yeah. So, um, lads. Oh, come here. What was his name off the Italian show? I used to do the Italian shows every Saturday morning. The Roundup. Richardson. Oh, Richardson. Yeah, Richardson. Yeah. Image, image of Richardson. I'll take Richardson, but yeah, I'll give you. You can have that one. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, he's a good. Sitting there, sitting there, you need your espresso beside you. Know? He always I'll has the coffee beside him. Mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. sport and all that. <laughs> um, but listen, lads, thanks for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thanks, um, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, a roundup of the of the World Cups. This could be our last one if Phil has his way, but we'll see. Um, he hates the World Cup. Anything after 1990, he's not interested. Well, he's claiming that the trippers were going for the 14 and the 18, so there's no need to do it. So we might do 1930. Who knows? We'll <laughs> back and we'll see. So just to wrap it up, listen, Gar, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Pat. No bother, Pete. All the way from sunny Catalonia. Cheers, Thank brother. Stay well, Pete. See you soon, boys. Take care, folks. And just to finish off, if we can all remember, every time we smile, a null and voider pokes their finger through the jack's roll when they're wiping their arse. So keep smiling. (laughs) Take care, folks. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov eip to see if you need to file a tax return. 
and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Let's do this fast. Your cousin. From Boston. Sam Adams Summer Ale is brewed with a hint of citrus. Perfect for a hot summer day. Like this one. End of commercial. It's peak tanning hours, dude. I'm out. Sam Adams Summer Ale. The Boston Beer Company. Boston, Massachusetts. Drink responsibly. Sports Social Podcast Network.